Hello and welcome to another edition of Diminishing Returns. This week we're looking at the Fast and the Furious franchise that started in 2001 and now has an absolutely staggering eight films to its name, with another two greenlit and I'm sure more to follow beyond then. In the spirit of things, I'll make this intro as fast as possible. Let me just say this episode contains spoilers for The Fast and the Furious, Too Fast, Too Furious, The Fast and the Furious, Tokyo Drift, Fast and Furious, which is inexplicably a different film, Fast Five, Furious Six, and Furious Seven. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Diminishing Returns. We are doing the Fast and Furious, whatever they're called, films. Fast, Too Fast, Too Furious. Um, we'll get into that. Furious, <laughs> Furious 5, 7. Um, <laughs> I don't really know what to call the franchise, but we're doing those car films. And uh, it's going to be fun. And yeah. Furious. Furious. Fun and furious. <laughs> so I'm Sol. And as always, uh, with me today is Barking Bin, Jimmy Carr, Calvin Dyson. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> was, that, was that a Jimmy Carr impression? No, that was my that Vin, was Diesel Vin Diesel impression. impression. <laughs> oh, okay. And uh, I've, not, I've not got one for you, Alan, so... Um... Oh, great. <laughs> I'm the I'm the Paul Walker of diminishing returns. <laughs> <laughs> what poorly CGI rendered in the final moments. My brother's going to take my place. <laughs> <laughs> That'd work out quite well, I think. Yeah. <laughs> It'd probably be all right. <laughs> I, I think I think Paul Walker's a bit too good for Ellen, to be honest. I think you're more on ludicrous level. Uh, <laughs> if I'm being honest. Oh, well. <laughs> Which one's ludicrous? Can I can I be one of those Puerto Rican ones that they don't bring back? <laughs> well, hang on, because because we we started having this discussion a tiny bit before we actually started recording this episode, and then Calvin sort of told me off and said we needed to press record because we were losing gold. So we were just discussing about how I can't remember who any of the characters are. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You, you said. You said. You said they all look alike to you. Those people. Is that what well, you said? well. Well. I think I've mentioned in a previous episode of this podcast that I cannot tell the difference between Vin Diesel and Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Um, so oh, that no. alone. Oh wait, wait, wait. We'll come on to that. Wait, well, let's wait for the fourth film or which. Okay. Is wait. So wait. <laughs> wait. So what? They're not in all of them. Did Did you what? watch them? <laughs> yeah, but I can't tell them apart. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of them is in. Uh, Every one of them, at least a bit, apart from the same. Ah, oh, it's just really hurting my head, guys. I can't. <laughs> well, right, right, so... we're gonna have to take we're gonna have to take it in chronological order, right? Because it's the only logical way. Um, and all right. Uh, um, so there's Paul Walker. There's uh, Vin Diesel. Yes. Uh, later on is The Rock. Yes. Mm-hmm. There's Michelle Rodriguez. Yes. Yes. Okay. There's Wonder Woman. Oh yes. Who's that? Gal Gadot. Who? She's Giselle, the G- one that... Giselle, um, yeah. Oh, right, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, there's uh, Jason Statham. I know he Jason is. Jason Statham. And that always really kind of broke the reality of the films for me when he showed up, because it was like, oh, I actually like can tell this person apart from everyone else. <laughs> 
But in, in the anyway. very first film, uh, Humble Beginnings, it's, pro- it's pretty much just Vin Diesel, Paul Walker, Michelle Rodriguez, and Jordana Brewster. And uh, released in 2001, it's quite a, a humble start to what has become a, a Universal Studios' highest grossing franchise of all time. In terms of 2001, if we look at it contextually, what was going on at the time? Because... Where was Vin Diesel? When, when did when was Pitch Black made? Is that the year before? Well, the Iron Giant had just come out a couple of years prior. <laughs> Vin Diesel's masterpiece. And if you close your eyes and listen to this film, you could quite easily believe that because it's just lots of mechanical noises and Vin Diesel occasionally going family. So <laughs> you could easily believe that it was a sequel to that film. <laughs> <laughs> Frankenstein Vin Diesel <laughs> Family good <laughs> But I, I the, So the first film was very much made As a, 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 an exploration Of this particular kind of culture That was sort of underground at the time And uh, wasn't really known Too well in the mainstream It's certainly not, would you call it an action film? I'd be hesitant to use that term Um, yeah uh, I, I would yeah. I don't know, not in the same way the later ones are, because they obviously didn't have the budget for it. It's very much resigned to a handful of sequences, where it sort of says, right, we're going to do some action now. But I do think that the film is kind of built around those set pieces enough to consider it to be an action film. I I don't know. I don't think we're going to be talking much about plot in this uh, show, (laughs) but I, I think... To sum up the plot of the first film, it's basically Point Break with cars. Point Break. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, not, it's not even... I was, I was so shocked by that, because I was, when I was watching it, it's not even <laughs> similar... It's, it's a remake of Point Break. I mean, were there legal ramifications of this? Because mm. it feels like there should have been. Apparently Did not. They? No. Uh, which so, is quite astonishing. So exactly it is like Undercover Cop has to infiltrate... Uh, a, a, a world that in which he knows nothing about, but then he's slowly seduced by it, and yeah, and there's a bit of a homoeroticism uh, between the two. Was Point Break the very first film to do that? Because it, it, it strikes me like that's just such a a sort of cliched uh, story now. Anyway, mm. I know they've been done before. It's not just that story element that's the same though it's the fact that it's kind of about an adrenaline junkie kind of yeah i guess so. as well. it's all that yeah. it's kind of there's so many other elements you know what else struck me about um I, I think i think the first two films in the series come in this bracket how kind of lame they are like <laughs> yeah. the, the, the opening <laughs> is really like, then, like it's it's this heist like they're trying to the opening of the first film is this heist and they're stealing stuff on this van and they're stealing like these DVD players and massive like TVs this is like before flat screens apparently and that's the <laughs> yeah. the whole crux of the film is that Paul Walker's investigating Vin Diesel because he thinks he's stolen all these DVD players and he's going to make a mint <laughs> off of them and it's uh but you know when it's it's just that level of shitness where it thinks it's being really cool but it's just not like I, I, I kind of the thing that helps me contextualize this film and the second one are um, American Pie and Grand Theft Auto because these <laughs> films along with those two just sum up like being like because I was 12 years old when this film came out and that was like yeah it was made for 12 year 12 and 13 yeah, 14 year olds <laughs> this is yeah, not like yeah. no adult could seriously watch this and, uh, and and take it seriously surely 
Well, I, I made a similar note, which I think is exactly what you just said, which is I think the target demographic of these films are, or is the same target demographic for Lynx deodorant. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think that is exactly what you're getting at as well. Uh, yeah, you nailed it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny, I don't think people really consider the first three films anymore. To say that the whole thing is, I was astonished at how tight the continuity is between yeah. all these films, but we'll, we'll get onto that mm-hmm. later. Because I don't think that people really consider the series as starting back in 2001. I think people consider it now starting with the fourth film, to be honest. Fast and Furious is what it's called, which is a very confusing Ugh, title. Yeah, like, what uh, was that all about? Can we can we can we talk about the name the name conventions in this <laughs> just, just how these films are named because I hate yeah, it. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's the one that's um, the second one. Too fast, too furious. Too yeah. fast, too furious. Yes. That might be the most offensive title I've ever seen. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's as bad as other films in this franchise. <laughs> <laughs> I hate anything where they're using numbers as words. Yeah, you. Yeah, but I mean, it it fits with the vibe of the film. I mean, it, it's it's tacky and rubbish, but like at least it sort of makes a degree of logical sense. Uh, no, it's, it's terrible. The squeakle. Oh, it's it's gen- like it, <laughs> that's, it, it, that's it's worse. awful. But <laughs> is it really worse than the fourth film just being called Fast and Furious? Dropping the V. <laughs> or two of the Vs. Like, is, surely that's worse. And then what was the fifth one called? Fast, Fast Five. Fast Five? Faster and Furious. And then, and then, was it, it was Fast Five. Furious Six, is that it? No, 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 no. Fast and Furious Six. They were all called Fast and Furious, just the number. No, that they weren't. The no, they titles. weren't. No, they, they weren't. They, they, they've all been, like, re- retroactively rebranded as like Fast and Furious 567 but they were called um let me look it up it, right so no, I, I know it's it's um the Fast and the Furious then yeah. Too Fast Too Furious then yeah. the Fast and the Furious uh, hyphen Tokyo Drift yes so, uh, Fast and Furious Fast 5 Fast and Furious 6 no 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 Furious no no Furious 7 no 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 no, no 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 it was Fast 5 then it was Furious 6 no, then it wasn't. It was, it was Furious 7. It was Furious 6 with the number 6, and then it was Furious 7, but 7 was written out as a whole word. And what? And, this, and the 8th one... I don't one, know what you're looking at. Is this because they they call them different... They call them different things in different territories, don't they? Yeah, but the original... The original name that it was released with was Furious 6. Hmm. Oh. The new one's called Fast and Furious. It's Gur Eight. <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's not. It's called <laughs> The Fate of the Furious, and I'm pretty sure they're spelling that F eight, but I haven't seen anything to confirm either way. Oh, God, I can only assume oh, that's what they're doing. Now it makes sense. I was wondering why they called it that, but yeah, it's the F eight, isn't it? Yeah, okay. It's pathetic. It should be called, it should so be called Just the Furious. No. <laughs> like I just I hope when they get to the twelfth one it's called Twelve Furious Men. That's the, <laughs> that's my note for them. <laughs> I I was hoping after Fast and Furious came out that they were just gonna follow that for a while, that convention of just like chopping a bit off the name each time. 
So it just go like Fast and Furious, Fast Furious, Fast Fur, F F F. And then, and then and then they could just release a film with like no title whatsoever and that the title is nothing. Anyway, going back to the first uh films in the franchise. Um like like we said I don't think it was well received critically, but the first film did make a a nice bit of money, so it obviously got a sequel. But Vin Diesel didn't come back for it. And they got Tyrese Gibson instead. Was this a couple of years later? Yes, 2003 is when it came out. And that's when Vin Diesel was in his sort of, oh, I don't do sequels. Uh, a bit like a Jim Carrey, sort of like Tom Cruise, Will Smith. Like, oh, I don't do sequels. I don't do sequels. So I'm, you know, I, I'm an actor. I want to do new things. Apart from one <laughs> thing, like Tom Cruise had always come back for Mission Impossible and Vin Diesel was so desperate to get a Riddick film off the ground. Uh, <laughs> so, so the franchise rested on... Paul Walker. Well, and, uh... <laughs> that's that's something no studio head wants to hear. <laughs> yes. So bring in Tyrese, uh, and they'll have. What is even the plot of this one? I can't remember what this one is even about. I just remember Tyrese cracking wise and. Yeah, I want to say straight up front: Too Fast, Too Furious. Despite the title, is my favorite of the lot. What? Oh the God! Fuck. <laughs> Go away, oh, Alan. dear lord. <laughs> Piss off. Because it's the comedy one. It's the comedy one. It, it's it's a rip-off of Bad Boys. And I like Bad Boys. So, you know, oh, I don't. I, I like Bad Boys more than Point Break. So, therefore, oh, I like this one. God. Well, well. on this note, should we should we quickly, like... How, how do you all feel about the first one? It's shit, right? That's a good point, actually. Uh, do you know I, what? It wasn't as bad as I... In fact, my whole my experience with this whole franchise was that it wasn't quite as bad as I was expecting. I, I had a similar experience, because I'd seen the first two when I was younger, and I, I always thought, these are fucking terrible, and I, I hate them, and I came back to watch them, because uh, it's been a long time since I've seen them, and I, I haven't, like... <sighs> I don't like them any more than I used to, but they're not... It's weird. They're really... I think they're really bad films, but they're not as offensively bad. They're not as viscerally awful as, like, Resident Evil is. I'd put them on a similar... I'd put them on a similar level in terms of the filmmaking, but just something about it doesn't upset me in the same way. I think they're shit, and, like, I'm talking, like, 1 out of 10, 2 out of 10 levels of shit, but, but I... I don't get upset by them in the same way. It's weird. No, I think they're completely far superior to likes of Resident Evil. Um, not to say they're particularly good, but I found them all, not all of them, but most of them quite watchable. Just as a kind of, you know, they're doing what they're doing. Well, for me, for me, the, the, the second one is the only one I'd want to be interested in watching again. I love Tyrese, like in in the later films, but in this one, I I find him uh, intolerable. It's a race to the bottom between this one and the third one for me. Um, should we move on to the third? Now, this is by far the worst one, as far as I'm concerned. Yes, I I would probably agree with that. It's certainly the one. It's certainly the oddest one in the thing. It's um obviously they didn't quite know what to do with the franchise, which is odd because last one was a success, but they decided just to. Which, from the title alone, the Fast and the Furious um, colon Tokyo Drift, this was like going to be the new beginning, and we were going to be following this new character 
and and his global trips around around the world. Um, Vin Diesel only reappears at the end in a very small cameo, and the only reason he agreed to do that cameo is because Universal Studios weren't going to make another Riddick film, and he wanted the rights to it, and they said, well, if you go in this film <laughs> at the end, we'll give you the rights. I remember this being very much... like I, I remember this film not being received well. I remember fans of the first two thinking it was shit. I remember critics saying, this one is really bad. Um, <laughs> so I don't think yeah. anyone liked it at all. It's kind of odd that they kept going with it, I guess. But, I mean, mm. I guess they're glad they did. To be honest, I I don't think there's much different in the way of quality between the second, third, or fourth film. I I I think they're all atrocious. Um, I think that the fourth film gets a little bit of um, residual goodwill just because it's the returning characters again. And even mm, if I didn't yeah. necessarily like them all that much in the first two films, I I still feel something for them. You know what the the fourth film's my least favorite. Not to get ahead of okay. ourselves, but it, it, I more than anything, I think it's just that it was really starting to wear thin on me by that point. Um, mm. I just thought, how many times can they just make me sit down and watch people driving? This is so boring. Mm. Is it, does the fourth mm. one? Is the fourth one that opens the um, that weird drag race and the woman says like you can win me or something? And, and... isn't that no, all of them? That's the third one with the young young buck, and he's uh, oh, it is, and he's going up against the kid from Home Improvement. <laughs> Oh yes, I forgot he was in now, there. Now that sequence, that that as an action sequence, I thought far surpassed anything in the first two films. And I I remember sitting up and thinking, oh okay, I might actually not hate this so much. And and the second it was over, same old shit. And and this is something I noticed throughout the franchise was they often start with quite a good action sequence that I I think, okay, this isn't too bad. I can get on board with this. And then, you know, that it becomes very apparent after 10 minutes or whatever, when, when the action sequence is over and the film starts, that they haven't really got anything else. And there's maybe going to be another big action sequence at the end of the film. But I don't know. Because I'm not opposed to mindless action, necessarily. If you do tongue-in-cheek stuff. I mean, when Jason Statham shows up, it just reminds me of the Crank movies, which I love, and that's the same sort of just <laughs> balls-to-the-wall nonsense action, but but it's done with such a sense of humour that just isn't present in these films that, I don't know, it just... The thing that annoyed me the most about the third film is that it's all about drifting. Now, we've yeah. seen drifting in the other two films. Tokyo drifting. And... Yeah, well, yes. And the the character is like, there are several characters in the film who are like, oh, I don't know what drifting is. I don't know what drifting is. It's like, I was playing Mario Kart <laughs> in this film. And like, I know what drifting is. Like, God. And the idea that they make the whole film about him learning how to drift, and at the end he drifts and then he saves the day, it's just like. I mean, Cars did the same thing. Pixar's Cars. <laughs> <laughs> a film aim- aimed at six-year-olds. <laughs> well, I mean, I did appreciate in, in Tokyo Drift that they changed location. That made it feel a bit more fresh. And then they'd had to adapt the kind of racing mm. style to fit this smaller, tighter environment. And I kind of liked that as a concept. In the first ones, it's like, because it's just drag racing, it's literally like, put your foot down, who's got... Yeah, go, go down the street and then turn around yeah. and come back. Yeah. So when it becomes proper racing and there's a bit more tactics and all that kind of thing involved, it's more interesting. 
I mean, one thing I will say is Justin Lin came on board the franchise. Uh, he's directed quite a few of them with the third one. And, Four of them, yeah. I mean, he's the guy who kind of turned things around for them, uh, weirdly yes. enough, to say he directed the least well-received of their films. <laughs> um, he's very much the guy who shepherded the franchise into its more modern incarnation. But Well, do you know, the, the, here's an interesting piece of trivia for you. Um, the guy who directed the second film is John Singleton, who oh, yeah. is the youngest ever person nominated for Best Director Oscar when he was 23. Really? He was nominated for Best Director for Boys in the Hood. Oh, right. Oh, I didn't realise that was him. Okay, wow. Huh. Youngest by a long way. A very well-respected director yeah. <laughs> at, at one point. <laughs> so then it's it's interesting because, um, like, obviously Fast and Furious was not well-received. I think we we all agree it's one of the worst, if not the worst. So Tokyo then Drift. We- Tokyo Drift, yes, sorry. So then we come back next with Fast and Furious, and mm. the Fast and the, the Furious. No, 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 just Fast and Furious, the fourth oh, film in the Fast and Furious saga. But there is a character returning from Tokyo Drift, Han, played by Sung Kang, who dies in Tokyo <laughs> Drift. So when he pops up at the very start of Fast and Furious, I just think, oh, okay, well, we disregard that film from continuity, apparently, yeah. but maybe this character is just the same character, but people like him, so we're bringing him back. It is what I it thought was, it was. Yeah, it was a strange thing to do. I mean, how popular must he have been on set? That guy must just be a fucking great guy to work with. Well, to go, the, the, the amount of effort they've gone to, to to get him into three more films. This is the thing. He's uh, really good friends with the director, Justin Lin. There and you go. That ah. character, that character actually appeared in a previous Justin Lin film. Like okay. the same character, right? So and they would they, they he just wanted his mate in the film, and he was like, "Oh, what's your character going to be like?" And they're like, "Oh, should we just should we just do that character in in this?" And like, yeah, okay, then. So they just did that. <laughs> it's like how Jay and Silent Bob just pop up in all of Kevin Smith's <laughs> movies. <laughs> <laughs> because then, because then I I start thinking, well, this is that must be out of the continuity. But then the character keeps referring to, oh, I might go to Tokyo next year <laughs> yeah. or something, and it's like, oh, okay, then I don't really, I didn't realize that this whole that. Tokyo Drift was set later on in the continuity and now we're years back or something. It's a very confusing timeline initially. The timeline has only just caught up with itself with Furious 7, presumably because they just keep kept wanting to bring back this Sung Kang guy because his mates are so, the director. So as soon as, as soon as Justin Lin shot off, so did uh, Sung Kang. Yep, seems, seems that way. <laughs> So, Fast and Furious. Um, Sol, you mentioned that this one didn't have much of a unique flavour, but yeah. I think the the, the the intention of the unique flavour is that it's meant to be the reuniting of all the original cast members. Yeah, and, that, and that's that's literally the opposite of a unique flavour. It's it's nostalgia. Let's go back <laughs> to the first film again. Yeah. Is yeah. this the one with the, where they go into Wario's mineshaft or whatever it's called? <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> See, that... that that was something of a right, unique yeah. element to it, I guess, but it was just a bit... Mm. It wasn't as See, this... uh, heavily Mario Kart as I would have liked. Does Michelle Rodriguez die in this one? This is the one where Michelle Rodriguez dies, yes. Oh, right, yes. Yes, yeah. yes. Okay. and then, so that's what the motivation for Vin Diesel's character is to is, is pursuing revenge. Yeah. 
See, that was really confusing as well, because I remember um, me and Alan met up to go to the cinema last week to watch Power Rangers, and I just watched Fast and Furious the previous night, and then we're sat there watching the thing, and the trailer for the latest one comes on, The Fate and the Furious, and Michelle Rodriguez is in it, and I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> then, well, I, I, yeah, I, I guess, I mean, maybe she comes back, I, I, maybe she's alive, or maybe that one is set previously yeah. in continuity, I don't know, these don't seem to have a problem with it. Uh, so I knew she wasn't dead. So what? Sorry, that was a really weird intonation for that sentence, wasn't it? <laughs> Shall I do that again? No, no. I, so I knew she wasn't dead. <laughs> there we go, that's, that's for the edit. Yeah. I tell you what, this is another thing that really wound me up in the later films. If this fucking cunt goes on about family anymore. Oh God, I know. <laughs> like God's sake, we get it. Well, that's right? that's like uh, that's what they're selling the entire like eighth film on. Exactly, but it's, it's just so overdone. I know, it drives me crazy. Particularly given that they're not even... They're only really using family as an abstract concept by the end of it. <laughs> so, what's the point? <laughs> like, either it's... I don't even get the sense that they meet each other in between exploits. Like, they only really seem to meet up whenever there's a job to be done. They yeah. don't seem to, like, yeah. hang out or anything. Well, that's that's it. Like, when they're all living together in the big house, then it's one thing. But, but, but also... <laughs> Like there's there's two guys who are in the family in in the fifth film, who are forgotten about by the seventh film because it's like oh where are those two guys go oh yeah they went off with their money somewhere so they're like the they're like the cousins of the family who sort of drifted away. <laughs> <laughs> but mm. well, also I, I, like this this family is built of because the the message is like you you choose your you, the family you choose and like it means more rather mm. than just who you were born with kind of thing. Yeah, but then it's also like it's just the people who you grew up with, and I don't know. I don't know why there's a difference between friends and family. I like where's the line? Where does it become more than? I mean, I, I, it's it's a load of bollocks, basically. It's it's ill-defined nonsense that they <laughs> written into the film to try and give it some emotional stakes and gravitas that it doesn't have, and some sort of meaning and depth that it doesn't have. Yeah, oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> but I think I think it's fine. They just overdo it. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think it's fine. They need to put some kind of emotional depth in there somewhere, and if that's how they want to do it, then fine. But... I don't know that they do because I mean, none of there certainly isn't any emotional depth in the film. There's only an attempt at it. So, uh, which one? The fourth. All one? of them. <laughs> any of them? Yeah. yeah. Plus, like, if you think in terms of its family. Like, it's Dom- if Dominic Toretto, Vin Diesel's character, is the, is the daddy of the family, then, you know, one of them's actually his sister, and the other one's dating his sister. That's kind of like a brother-in-law. But then the other one, the other two are, like, friends of that guy, who he's never really met. Yeah, it's it's like the fucking Manson family. It's not a real family. <laughs> so it's like his, his brother-in-law's, like, alcoholic mates who come round for pies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And Wonder Woman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, like, someone else he knows and his girlfriend, who um, <laughs> was on the bad guy's team trying to kill him at one point. <laughs> <laughs> Though this isn't the fifth film. It's the fifth film where Tyrese and Ludacris return from the second mm-hmm. film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, the the fifth one, are we, are we moving on to it? Yeah, let's move on. I can't yeah, because this, is, this is when it starts to get good. Finally. <laughs> well, I was going to say, the, fi- the fifth one was noticeably better like really noticeably better than all the four that had come before it. And I know Mm. everyone's sort of been 
getting on at me to watch these films for years and going, oh no, they get good, they get good. And I mean, mm. they don't get good. They get less shit. <laughs> they get better. They get <laughs> oh, less no. shit. No, come, come now. <laughs> they get good. These are good action well, films. They are so far from being good films. but uh, <laughs> um, No, good action films, good action films. Well, I, I take umbrage with the idea that action is a lesser genre, Calvin. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> so, yeah, so the fifth film, it's just plodding along. Suddenly, Dwayne The Rock Johnson turns up. He brings it to life. Yes. And then, shortly after that, it turns into a heist film. And it only happens halfway through. But that's <clears> one of my, you know, we talked about this before, like the ticking the personal favourite boxes. That's yes. one of mine where you have to gather the team for the heist. Oh, I do like mm. that, yeah. I mean, it's, it's better when it's characters that I like, but... It's better, yeah. Because in in Fast Five, it's it was very much just like, oh, these are all the guys we've had in the previous ones. And then suddenly they fit these characters that they had, they didn't fit before. I couldn't even yeah. remember um, who most of them were, which didn't help as well. <laughs> yeah. Roles that aren't even like necessary for the heist. They're like, what? what is it they say about Tyrese? We need someone who can talk the talk or something. And at <laughs> one point he has to attempt to romance. Well, yeah, he's the he's the con man, isn't he? He's like the decoy guy. But That's it's like his enough. job is like to deliver that package or something. And it's like, well, any of them could have bloody done that. It's like, <laughs> But this is something they, they, like in the later films where he's going like, this, this is the best team the, in the world, you know, and all that. It's like, it's not. It's just your mates and people you grew up with, <laughs> like, and they're in the cars. Yeah. It's like, what? <laughs> you haven't, you haven't scoured the world for this. Well, that's it. It's, it's either the best team in the world or family is important. You can't have it both <laughs> ways, mate. But also in this, but also, also, I liked, and this, this must have worked for you, Sol. How they, Dwayne the Rock Johnson, had to have a goatee so that he looked like an evil Vin Diesel. <laughs> so you could tell <laughs> Alan, which one of, out of Vin Diesel and Dwayne Johnson is it that you think is like? There's, there is one of them that you do have quite a soft spot for outside of this franchise. Oh, it's Dwayne, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Yeah, definitely, I love ah, him. Right, I think, yeah. I think he's great. I think he does everything he ever does. He does with, with his tongue firmly in his cheek. Yes, yes. Dwayne Johnson's like glistening the Rock muscles. Johnson. His glistening muscles through these films is like... I, I've recently moved into a new flat and I've been assembling a lot of flat-packed furniture. And if I, could find a, if I could find a credenza in just that right shade and sheen, I'd be very, very happy. His, like, his arms are the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Uh, so, uh, But the, the, at the end of it, this one came ba- down to they were taking money from a... a like a criminal kingpin, weren't they? That was the that was the mm. plot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, because they're all but, like but, super but it rich. It was also revenge for something. But this is something else that they just have to keep hammering home in these things. That hey, they might be thieves and occasionally murder people, but they're good guys, all right. And yeah. family, all right. They love their mum. And this is classic cases because they're robbing this drug dealer of you know his entire fortune. But yeah, he's a drug dealer, and they're they're gonna rob it, and they're not gonna not gonna give it to the poor, but they're taking him away from the poor. But he's actually helping the poor uh, with his mm. drug money. So um, yeah. anyway, they're the good guys, all right. <laughs> they do love they love having these drug crime lord kingpins and that. Never actually see any drugs on screen at any point. No one ever <laughs> does true, any yeah. cocaine or weed. Well, you, or... you don't want to. Well, not on screen. You, you don't get high in your own supply, <laughs> Calvin. 
It's rule one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you know, in this in this culture, you would think, and um, maybe I'm being very offensive to people from that culture to imply that they're all like doing cocaine off their like girlfriends' bottoms in the backs of their cars. But <laughs> which I, what, it just what people are we talking about? What there. culture? Hollywood. Well, this car, this racing <laughs> underground racing culture. So, um, which one of the cast do you think was doing the most cocaine behind the scenes? Hmm. Uh, I think it could be Jordana Brewster, just because she she gets given nothing to do, really. She gets, she gets to drive a car a bit in the fourth one, but in the fifth one, she is very much like, oh, well, you've had a baby now, you're not quite the star we wish you were, and we've kind of <laughs> got to keep you in this cast, because if Paul Walker's character leaves you, he might look like a bad person, so you can stay behind a laptop and, like, be on the wire with people being like, oh, the cops are on your tail, or whatever. <laughs> got to do something to keep yourself uh, happy. <laughs> We're just trying to, like, get a bit of beef going with an actor and <laughs> implying that they do a lot of cocaine. All right, well, I'll, I'll go, I'll say Gal, Gal Gadot, because uh, she, yeah. I, I reckon she does yeah. it to keep the figure. Yeah, yeah you're probably right there. Uh, just because she's, she's going to be a big star now in Wonder Woman, so that's probably the one that we want to upset the most. So, yeah, I reckon, <laughs> I reckon she was high. You know what, I, I reckon... What I've heard is uh, Wonder Woman's going to be shit because uh, she was just drugged out on set when they were filming it. <laughs> and they've had to edit around. <laughs> it's like an Al Pacino film. Yeah. <laughs> Shall we move on to number six? <laughs> yes, let's. This is the London one. Now, now this, is, um, this is probably my favourite of the franchise. Yes, likewise. Um, I still don't think this is a very good film at all. Um, this, like I said, oh what? This for me, this one's a four out of (sighs) ten. I think that's fair. I, I, you know, I, yeah, this is the film that made me decide that I'm not going to resell the box set that I bought for the purpose of this podcast (laughs) to watch. I, I really like this film. I think it's, I, I, part of it is London, and obviously being in England, it's nice to see. I, I would have got more out of that if it wasn't so obviously shot elsewhere <laughs> like it's so obviously it. not london it doesn't feel a lot anything of it was like... in london no no they shut down piccadilly circus to film some of these race sequences like they, they, they did they i, I thought they shot it in i thought they shot a few bits on uh pinewood's lot or something there's like a sure creation of of uh piccadilly isn't there and my understanding is they, uh, they they shot a few bits on a recreation of famous bits of London, but the vast majority of the film was shot on uh, uh, an island. What is it? In Greece? One of the Greek islands? Where was it shot? Really? Oh, let me look it up. It was shot. Yeah, I, I saw some. I, I saw some of the behind the scenes stuff. They like shut down Piccadilly Circus and had cars like sweeping through. You, are you uh, sure it was the real Piccadilly Circus and not just Pinewood? Yes. <laughs> yes. It would be very easy to recreate Piccadilly Circus on a set, wouldn't it? Right. I'm looking just, at just a the... few buildings, really. <laughs> I'm looking at the. Well, at first I thought it must have been CG, and then when I saw Shepperton, the... yeah, it... yeah, it, it says they had a peck. I'm just reading. They had a Piccadilly Circus mock-up at Shepperton Studios that they shot that on. Fast and the Furious Six became only the third production to be allowed to film in Piccadilly Circus. Huh. Maybe they did a bit of both. My my understanding is they were originally going to film most of it in England, but then our laws and regulations said, no, you can't drive a tank down the street. What are you talking yes. about? So they shot most <laughs> yes. of it in the Canary Islands. 
Um, Which explains yeah. why they, there's this really awkward moment at the end of the London sequences where they're like, oh, no, we need to go to Spain yeah. immediately. <laughs> and then as soon as they get there, there's an action sequence where there's this massive tank because, yeah. yeah, they had all the pre-visualization stuff done and everything for how the tank was going to move through the streets of London. And then um, you could tell the director was quite pissed off because he was sort of saying like you know some, you come to the canary islands and you have wonderful um officials who will let you do anything on their highways and blow <laughs> buildings up and bridges and things like that and it's like well yeah but i mean london's a bit different to like a highway but that's it in I, Tenerife. I, I, it just i don't know not none of it feels like london to me i know there's obviously a few bits of actual footage there but the whole film just feels really warm it feels like it's all been shot in the canary <laughs> islands it feels like <laughs> You know what really made it feel like home to me? There's a bit where Han is eating a packet of Seabrook crisps. <laughs> and I was like, oh my god, yes. Now, isn't it disappointing that there's no, like, there's no, like, proper sequence on the tube where they're, like, driving cars through the tube, through the underground, <laughs> like Mario Kart yeah. style again? It just seems like such, yeah, yeah, a, yeah. such a missed opportunity to to do something there because they I mean they obviously they yeah. do have a sequence in the tube but it's all yeah on foot well let me let me just say I didn't like this film it was one of my least favourite of the lot um, oh. and I think that is partly because it is set in London and it and that just highlighted for me like how little realism there is. It's like <laughs> yeah. you put something in the favelas in Rio, and I like I can go with it. Like yeah, mm. they all live in poverty and they're all drug dealers, whatever. Like, it doesn't bother me. But you put this in London, and like nobody acts how they would really act, and nothing happens like it really happens. There's this massive drag race going on in like central yeah. London <laughs> in the middle of the night, and it's yeah. somehow it's just like fuck off. Like you'd have you'd have police snipers on you within like two minutes. Like not to mention the crowds of just people that would be there like who aren't <laughs> drag racers the people you wouldn't be able to move the car for pedestrians you can't you, ever, you can't move quicker than <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was that's what I thought I was like these cars are going over 12 miles an hour in London yeah. what's going on <laughs> but the the um, at one point the, the police are chasing them and the armed police like with a submachine gun or something, leans out of the passenger side of the car to fire off randomly at the car. Like that would never happen. <laughs> not even remotely any, not, none of those three elements would happen. <laughs> and I, I, I see where you're coming from again, because these films, they're just not quite pitched enough tongue in cheek for me. Like if if there was a bit yeah. more humor and it was a bit more absurd, I would be all for it. But they're just not quite. Yeah, like if you you have a fight scene in the tube and then someone like excuse me, like I've got to get this train, like you know, like yeah. just like just throw in a couple of gags and it probably it just sort of dispel the whole kind of sincerity. Of it, it. That's it. It all just feels a bit too sincere and it just doesn't quite work as a result. I, I disagree. I think when you've got uh, Dwayne Johnson and Ludacris and Tyrese it's Dwayne the Rock there. Johnson. Oh my god. All right. No, no, he's only Dwayne Johnson at this stage. He's Dwayne the Rock Johnson. I think when you've got those three in it, I think they bring all three of them together a tongue-in-cheekness and a sense of levity. Yeah, that's it. They do and just needed more of it. No more than any sincere action movie. There's always a few quips in a sincere... Well, normally there's a few quips oh, no, in an action I... movie and what I what I'm talking about is you know it needs to be just a bit more absurd just in general like 
taking the piss out of itself for it to work for me. I mean, it needs to be more like Crank, want... basically. Yeah, I, I was about to say you want something like Crank, whereas mm. this just isn't going to go that far. Like this goes about as absurd as you can without going in Crank level. Like, I mean, they, they, then they have this massive tank and they're just defying the laws of physics with people like <laughs> jumping off and mm. like. There's a point where Michelle Rodriguez is on the tank and then the tank. It hits an anchor and then she goes flying through the air and then Vin Diesel crashes his car and goes flying through the air to grab her midair mm. and then bring her down on the other side. It, it is ridiculous. But action. that's the point. It's ridiculous, but it's not knowingly ridiculous. It's like it's presenting this as serious. Yeah, but it is ridiculous. If it presents it as ridiculous, then it's all right. That's it. If it was presented as kind of Looney Tunes nonsense, I'd be up for it. But but it is presented as hey, cool, real look, action. And the the other thing is it's so stop start. There's there's a few sequences in the later films where I do think, oh, this is great, this is cool, but then five minutes later and it's done and it's just boring until like another scene about ten minutes, fifteen minutes later, and it's just it really frustrates me. You know what the, you know what the main reason is? I've just realized why it doesn't feel authentically like London to me, is that mm? they they stick to their guns and stick a load of women just wearing like nothing, oh, dancing yes. around. Oh yeah. And it's like yeah, they'd be yeah. freezing. <laughs> you wouldn't yeah. wear that out in at, at night in London like that. They're dancing oh, around like it's you know Spain or something. That's exactly what I mean. Like you set something in Miami, and my imagination of what Miami is based on Bad Boys Two is you know has a certain idea, and I can go with it. But you put it in London, it's like, well, that doesn't happen, does it? So. <laughs> They do love that particular shot, don't they? It's in every film. There's always, like, two girls walking together with, like, skimpy undies on, and the camera's, like, underneath them, looking up the arses. Practically. It, it really starts to bug me by the the last few films, because you just think, like, come on, you've, you've brought this franchise a long way now. Can yeah. we not let go of this? Well, what is yeah. this adding to the proceedings? I, I completely agree. When does... When does Jason Statham get introduced to the franchise? I've forgotten which one. Is he in the, the sixth very one? very end of the... He's, in London. He's, he's at the very end of the sixth one when they finally tie it back to when we saw Han die in the third film. It, it, it was apparently just a random car collision. But then the end credits for the sixth oh, yeah. film reveal that it's actually Jason Statham who was killing Han. Oh yeah, it's this really weird... It's this really weird, like, Marvel movie end nugget with Jason Statham appearing. Uh, but yes. but but you but you just think like who the fuck like I know it's Jason Statham but like do you know how it ended up being Jason Statham because Vin Diesel talks about one of the bonus features he like put on his Facebook he said like he put it out to his fans like who do you think should I should fight in the next <laughs> Fast and Furious film and everyone was and he said and the name that kept coming up was Jason Statham so we thought well gotta get him in then and that's basically how he ended up being in this. Oh yeah, that's how that's how Sonic ended up in Smash Brothers. So like, fair play. <laughs> Should we talk about the uh, the seventh one? I felt like mm. it was just kind of. I didn't like it. Obviously, massively better than the earlier films still, but it felt like just more of the same and a step yes. back from the sixth one to me. I, I agree, with the notable exception of uh, the Paul Walker situation, which I think probably g- probably gave gave the movie more sentiment and heart. Yeah, than it would have had that. Had yeah, he, mm. yeah, definitely. Because a lot of the reviews do praise it for a wonderful send off to Paul Walker. Because obviously, for those who don't know, but I think everyone does know, Paul Walker died halfway during filming uh, in a in a car crash. Oddly enough, quite early on in filming as well. Yeah, yeah, they hadn't filmed that much. 
and they had to take a hiatus for a few months and rewrite the script, and they decided to continue. And I, I mean, I will say, watching it and knowing that, you don't think anything. You know, you just, he's in it all the way through. And they used lots of trickery and stuff. They got away with it. Yeah, I completely forgot it even happened until the... Who is it? The Rock? Yeah. At the end of the film? Is it The Rock or is it Vin Diesel? It's Vin Diesel. At the very end. That's his bro. <laughs> All right. I completely forgot until at the end of the film when Vin Diesel's driving along and then the, this car pulls up alongside and he turns around and then this, like, video game <laughs> character monstrosity <laughs> turns to him. <laughs> See, it's interesting that you point out the end shot, because there are actually, I, I, I went and looked at this, there are 350 digital shots of him in the film, like, huh. all throughout the film, and oddly enough, the one that stuck out to me the most, the only one, I could tell that there were a few scenes where it was just because I was looking up on Wikipedia and sort of seeing, okay, so if they filmed that, and then they couldn't have filmed that, so that was obviously, they got his mm. brother to act as his double, his brothers, and then Weta would, like, CG Paul Walker's face on it. There's a scene where they're all stood it's just before the big sequence in LA towards the end and they're all stood in a line um, and talking and there's just one point where he turns and looks and you can just tell that yeah that is a CGI um, creation but you know that sequence in Dubai when the car is uh, crashing through the three different buildings that's entirely all CG Paul Walker well the whole scene is CG the cars and buildings are fake as well I I really like that scene what? With the cars jumping out of yeah, buildings. I thought, it was I thought that was the best bit in... I hated it. ...one of the best moments in the I franchise. I thought it was the worst moment in the whole film. What? Why? That's, that's like the only point where the film truly embraces the level of absurdity that I've been craving throughout <laughs> the entire like franchise. It, but like the, the, what I like about the later films around the early ones are that it really embraces practical stunts mm. and then it does something like that which completely loses it yeah. and it, and i think that's i think that's a huge yeah. part of the appeal i think the reason people like this is because it's like yeah those cars are really being flipped around and smashed up and you can tell it's real and it looks cool guess so. people like that and so that stunt just did not play for yeah. me at all and because it just felt completely unrealistic. If you'd got a building and driven a car between the buildings, I would have been impressed. But so much of the action in all of the better ones, all of the back-end ones, is obviously fake, though. That bit no, at the start... Where, yeah, it is. That, I mean, obviously there's lots of actual driving of cars yeah. going on. But I expect there was a lot of actual driving of the car inside the building ramming into, like, mm. statues and no, things. No, I think the seventh one was a, a clear differentiation from the fifth and sixth to to back to computer generated so one of the most memorable bits like i say that opening of whichever one it was where the guy with the iguana gets his petrol stolen Mm -hmm. that heist like there's the bit where the big fiery tankard thing is bouncing towards the road and Mm. and then they have to like Mm. stop and rev the car up to go underneath it and it's like a video game it's so far like fake and like the whole thing with that aeroplane that you're on about and I, I don't know all the big action set pieces i can remember are heavily cgi'd like i know they're driving real cars and mixing that in there but i mean you you just you couldn't do that with a car jumping out of one skyscraper into another that's well, no, that's beyond the realms of <laughs> exactly, and, and, and I think that's it's a cool like idea. It. It's a kind of level of absurd spectacle that, mm. like, I just think, well, yeah, fair enough. You know, I get where you're coming from, but well, I want to take a step back because we're talking. We're still talking about Paul Walker. 
And in terms of that that kind of epilogue they do, and the tribute to him at the end, and I was genuinely quite touched. It felt it felt really genuine. Like these are guys mm. who've been working together for years, and it does you do get the impression that they're friends behind the scenes as well because they all yeah. keep coming back. It was quite a nice tribute. You kind of see him going off with his wife and child, and and they're just sort of like leaving, and they're kind of saying, and and Vin Diesel says, "Oh, it's never goodbye." Kind of it was it was nice, and I liked that bit, and then. It did this bit where he had this little voiceover where he's giving this little speech, uh, Vin Diesel is, and it, it seemed very personal and it felt a bit more like Vin Diesel rather than the character. And I thought, okay, that's pushing it a bit. You're breaking the wall here. And then they did this montage of clips from earlier films. I was like, right, you've lost me. You, you, you like, it, yeah. it, was, it went too far because it went out, it broke from the film, from the characters. Mm. And fair enough, I understand mm. why they would do that. But from an audience point of view, I don't know them. I don't care about them. So it was just a nice little tribute yeah. that went too far for me. But I would say, I, I was like, I was genuinely welling up at what I never thought I'd yeah, sort of yeah, get emotional. Yeah, I was genuinely touched. It, it was nice. Walker, but was, yeah, yeah, it was great. But I think we can all agree that I think we've all cited a shot or two that we know knew that it was a, a, a CG Paul Walker. But I think we can all agree that it's pretty fantastic. Oh yeah, I the, think the effects. Right. Okay, um, <clears throat> in 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 the at the risk of being an arsehole about this, Paul Walker kind of died how he lived, and I think that's okay. And I think it's kind of a there's a there's a certain poetic structure of life about that. I would have preferred mm. it if they killed Paul Walker's character in a car accident in the film. Yeah. And I, I appreciate that that kind of could be insensitive and I understand why they didn't do it. But but it would also be a a firm reminder for the audience that this sort of behavior yeah. isn't to be condoned and that it does come with risks and dangers and it would be a stark reminder that yeah, don't don't go driving like a lunatic. The fact that they do kill, they do kill, they do kill off characters. They kill off Han. Um, yeah. They kill off Giselle. Is that her name? Whoever she is. Yes, Gal Gadot. They kill off a yeah. little kid in the first film as well. It, it might not have worked thematically because they'd already had the kind of death and that spurs us on kind of thing. But I just because he died, obviously it would force their hand. I just feel that like it would have been a more thematically justified slightly more emotionally satisfying ending it would have been sad and tragic mm. but i think that's all right sometimes like in life sometimes is sad and tragic so stories of life and film and film can be as well and it's not as if the film wouldn't have played it as sad and tragic yeah you know i'm sure they'd they'd have the characters going to his funeral as like the final part and they'd probably have their little sad song and everything yeah i'm sure it would have played just fine like you say it might have felt a bit iffy but that's it because he had actually done that it might have just been seemed insensitive but i think if if they if they'd done it because they were close and they were his friends the filmmakers as in and vin diesel and all that if they felt that it was okay then it would have been all right you know but you know i guess nobody wants to face it do they it's fair enough and also surely a, a fitting tribute to family and and to the the that we come together and make these films together would be to not make any more. Like I understand why they're halfway through a film and they're all contractually obliged and they so they and they create a nice fitting tribute, but then just to come back and do another one because it made one point five billion dollars. <laughs> That's why. No, I understand why the studio does it. The heartless, you know, faceless studio. Yeah, but. If if we're 
buying into, and I certainly buy into that there's this genuine relationship, certainly between the likes of Vin Diesel, maybe your Tyrese mm. Gibson or whatever, then why have they gone, yeah, we'll do another one without him, that's all right. And, and surely, like, if, if, if what you've done for the last 10 years, every two years you come together and spend six months together with your friends making a film, then to go back and one of them's dead, and that's this huge hole there, surely that is going to be a shit experience, making mm. that film. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of them on there, aren't there? <laughs> I mean, what sure, your point I'm is? Sure. It's only Paul Walker. <laughs> My point is that they'll probably be a bit sad the first day, and then they'll kind of okay. Well, if 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 Calvin died, how long do you think it'd be before we replaced him with someone else? <laughs> Do you think we'd have a week know, off? Maybe take... <laughs> yeah, we'd we'd yeah. finish the week with, like, voice clips from other episodes. Well, we... we so we... <laughs> let's see, we, we'd probably have, like, maybe two or three episodes recorded at that point. <laughs> so we'd, we'd... We'd put those out. We'd, we'd probably put a little, like, you know, memoriam-type thing at the end of the episode or something. Um, and then we'd put out that the, the clip show of all the unused bits that have been cut. And... Then we might not even miss a week because we <laughs> we've, we've had a, we've had about efficient. a month there to to get, get over someone it. else on board. So uh, so then we could just bring in bring in some other more successful YouTuber, <laughs> new listens. Listeners. I think I'm more affronted that you compared me to Paul Walker. <laughs> You're the Paul Walker. <laughs> Calvin. Like, I'm the Paul Walker of this podcast. See, Calvin, you want to be the Michelle Rodriguez, but you're the Jordana Brewster. <laughs> oh, that hurts. That, that really hurts. I've al- I've always thought of myself as more of a Tyrese myself. <laughs> which one am I, Alan? You're Vin Diesel or Dwayne the Rock Johnson. I don't know which one. <laughs> oh no, I really don't want to go bald. <laughs> well, then who does that make you? Are you ludicrous? <laughs> uh, I'm. I'm uh, I'm Jason Statham. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then yeah, should we talk about Jason Statham? Because obviously he's a big part of a big new component of Fury. Yeah, Seven. he he's um, by the standard of these films, he's fantastic. Like such an injection of something that I'm happy to watch. He just does the same thing he does in the Transporter and. Oh yeah, Transporter. absolutely. He's the same in everything. But when he, but when he's, but when he's on screen, I can pretend that I'm actually watching Crank, and that makes me happy. <laughs> the the opening sequence. Nowhere near as funny as Crank. No, I know, and it, yeah, but the the opening sequence, like the very first scene of the seventh film, was pretty cool and it 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 would have if they took all of the stupid sped up footage and just played that scene in like real time it would have been great i don't know mm. why they feel the need to just speed shit up it it really took away from it you you, mm. you see him walk into the the lift and the camera goes around behind his head and it goes and like you know speeds up to get behind his head quicker because god forbid mm. we wait 3 seconds and take in the fact that he's like you know, shooting people and blowing stuff up as he goes. I it would have played so much better in real time, but but it was still quite a cool sequence and it set oh, this character up as like the right level of cartoonish silly action that I really think these films should all be at and like like the entire runtime should be at. I, I know what you mean. It's like it's the same when uh, near the end where Dwayne the Rock Johnson like First of all, crashes of an ambulance into a, a plane like a drone, and then rips off the 
ma- the mounted gun on it and starts using it as a handheld gun. <laughs> and it's like, that. it's just like cartoonish, like <laughs> Rainier oh. Wolfcastle moment. Yeah. <laughs> no, my favorite moment in the whole film is when he's he's got this like cast on his arm for much of the film. He's like bedridden <laughs> for a lot of it. And then when he sees that shit's going down outside his window, he like just flexes his muscles and breaks the cast <laughs> and then rips it off. I love and it. And he also says that when when we were introduced to him, it says like he's broken his leg and his collarbone, and then he goes in and he's got a pot on his arm. Like it's not, it's not your collarbone. <laughs> it's not not related. To it. I think Jason Statham makes up for the lack of Dwayne Johnson in this film. Like he's only really in it at the beginning and not the end. Not for me. Not for me. And I I think there's. I mean, I've not seen a huge deal of his films, but I I can't take him remotely seriously. I feel like whenever <laughs> Jason Statham is acting or on screen i feel like he's doing a joke and i don't know if that's just because i like the crank film so much but but it it really feels like he's kind of there's something in his eyes when he when he's trying Mm. to be kind of like a bit hard and like i mean i don't know there's that scene where they find him on the computer and he's just sort of like you know (laughs) yeah i'm on your computer what about it and it's just (laughs) i don't know maybe it is meant to be like genuinely cool and genuinely like almost a bit threatening, but the way it plays is just funny to yeah, me. It's like it's this guy like, is fucking with this guy, and he it's thinks like it's funny. It's like they're playing and... with these cliches of the sort of silent assassin kind of thing, and it, it, it doesn't work with the film because it's just the film itself isn't kind of funny enough to get away with it. Yeah. Like when they finally storm him near the end, and he's just sat there like drinking a glass of wine and eating his dinner, yeah. and then like 400 people descend on him, and then it turns out he's got an army behind him or something. But for me, uh, that's an issue with the rest of the film, rather than yes. the Jason Statham <laughs> scenes. <laughs> like The rest of the film should fall in line with what he's doing. <laughs> I loved in the bonus features Jason Statham was talking about his character and like what he wanted to bring to the role and stuff. And it's like you do the exact same thing in everything I've ever seen you in. Like, I, but I've I've never seen him like talk about his craft before. I like to think that he thinks that he's approaching every character differently when actually it's all just Jason Jason Statham. What's my motivation? <laughs> Kicking some fucking little pussy ass, is it? <laughs> is that, we're going back to the Aristocats, so. <laughs> is he is he coming back in the next one? Yes. <laughs> and 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 bizarrely Helen Mirren is coming in to play his mother. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Um so also in this film, we get introduced to a couple of the new characters because they seem to be trying to turn this into the expendables. Uh, yeah, they so really they do. put Kurt Russell in it. Yes. Now, did how did you feel about Kurt Russell's character? Ugh, I, I, I didn't well, really enjoy it. For quite a lot of it, it felt like they were setting him up to be a baddie and like they were going to do the old switcheroo where he's helping him and then he turns on them at the end. Mm. And it really felt like that. Like they were deliberately setting that up, kind of overdoing it, like with the music and stuff. And then when he gets shot and then it turns out he's not dead, all this stuff. But that never paid off. And then... So was that a deliberate double bluff to kind of trick trick you or what? And and then there was this whole kind of father son thing with him and Vin Diesel that was kind of going on, and that never really went anywhere either. Why why are people so into Kurt Russell anyway? Like it, it seems to be he, there's a lot of films he's done now where like he is their big star. Oh my god, well, it's, it's Kurt it's because Russell. Of Snake Plissken, I think, basically. Okay, right. Pretty I much, think he's been, he's just been in a lot of cult movies, and I think in the like seventies and eighties, he could have been if he'd been in the right films, he could have been a Harrison Ford. But Harrison Ford had Indiana Jones and Star Wars and 
you know, he had escaped from New York and big, big trouble in little China. China. But <laughs> yeah. but he seems to be playing like the exact same thing in Guardians of the Galaxy Two coming out. He's um, oh yeah yeah he's the big star they've got in to play like the, the main, main character's dad again. Yeah. it's the same sort of father son mentor yeah, character. Right. I mean, that's what he's doing now, isn't it? It's like Tommy Lee Jones only ever plays that one character now. Mm. I think um, I think for this film, I think his lack of development comes down to the fact that they've got a franchise mentality now. So they're just thinking, about, okay, well, we, we just introduce you now and then we'll do something with you in the next film. That's the mentality now. It's lesser about making one self-contained story. It's more about franchise building. Yeah. And also... Let's speak about God's Eye, um, which in the film is a technological apparatus to harness any camera in the world and, and track people. I mean, there's suspension of disbelief, and then there's just complete insanity. <laughs> and <laughs> it, it just... Uh, I don't know, what what did you think about it? Were you just happy with that? Did you just go along with it? I wasn't paying that much attention. <laughs> I, it was it was literally just a MacGuffin thing. I was like, they're just spewing out this techno nonsense and... Well, no, because it's not. It's not a MacGuffin that they're just chasing something. It's They use it to track people. It, it can harness any camera. So they find Jason Statham or whoever because he's driving a car past someone who's talking on a phone. And so... The the pho- they can use the camera phone even though it's not on, but also they can remotely access it uh, retroactively for a camera that wasn't on, and they only know that he's there because the camera has been activated anyway, and then registered his facial recognition uh, in the software from every camera in the world. I mean, it, it's it's so beyond rea- reality that it becomes ridiculous. For me, it wasn't particularly worse than the amnesia plot in that earlier one. It, it, like that, it is fucking bollocks. But it, yeah, I don't know. These films are full of that shit, you know. I don't, I don't understand. They don't need to put that in. Like, put some fucking car chases in and a fist fight between Vin Diesel and The Rock or whatever, whoever the latest muscle guy is. And then, like, some cool stunts. It's like, why are you dressing up with this plot that doesn't make sense? Like, just create a nice, simple heist film. I don't really get it. What are they gaining from it? So, The Fate of the Furious. Uh, Charlize Theron is in it. Helen Mirren is in it. Jason Statham's coming back, and uh, most of the cast are. Well, yes, it has Charlize Theron taking over all cars... In a city or something, which oh, sounds Oh, God, I've just remembered with the trailer and she can remotely control all the cars in the world. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> I think that's fun. It's, it's a good premise if they really embrace it as much as they... like. I don't think it'll be silly enough to work. Like I don't think it's going to hit the right beats yet, but... We'll see. They're still going to make more, obviously. Like, it's going to make shit tons of money and they're going to make... Oh, yeah, they, they've, they've greenlit the uh the next three they're they're already working on eight and sorry nine and ten as we speak i believe so they're dated as well um the tenth one is set to come out on the 2nd of april 2021 so was vin diesel giving up on his career now then (laughs) (laughs) well got more of a career than uh, paul walker hasn't he (laughs) (laughs) i mean that, you could have said that at any point in the last 42 years and you would have been correct. But, you know, now it seems harsh. <laughs> oh. 
No, because I was I, I didn't want to make that much jokes about that whole situation. I think it's genuinely really sad. I think you know. You know, we're talking about uh, nominative determinism when um, <laughs> when last because I've just been doing the Tremors episode when Sol <laughs> said that Ron Underwood, the director of Tremors, because his name is Underwood, yeah. made a film about things underground. I think Paul Walker is like famous as a driving guy. <laughs> I, think I think it's just a sense of irony. Uh, well, I, have we, I think we've covered everything. I, have we ever reviewed a, se- a, a series that none of us could be remotely interested, less interested in? Like, yeah, um, Resident um, Evil. Oh, no. No, <laughs> no. no one, one of us is normally usually interested. We came close with the Bourne movies, but... Uh, mm. Yeah, Bourne movies, probably. No, but I love Resident Evil. Uh, should we get to the pictures, gentlemen? To how we would continue this franchise if it was up to us? Yeah. Right. So, Sol, how would you continue Fast and the Furious if you were Vin Diesel? Um, uh, well, if I was Vin Diesel, I'd probably just retire. <laughs> live a happy life with all my money and... Um, I, d- I don't know, actually. Uh, <laughs> no, you know, if I was Vin Diesel, I would make this. That I, I My idea is basically um, Fast and the Furious, the next generation, essentially. Because we, we've got to deal with Paul Walker. It's called not... Tokyo Drift, right? <laughs> yeah. <But> Paul, Paul <laughs> Walker's not in it anymore, so we're going to try and, and... Can you call it the next generation with an eight in it? Well, I was, that was it. I was, I was wondering <laughs> if you could help me out with the name. So, so Fast... Let's call it Fury 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 Far Let's call it (laughs) Let's call it Faster and Furiouser Alright That sounds like that should already (laughs) Doesn't it? It does So there we go, Faster and Furiouser Hey, and maybe we can get Patrick Stewart in as uh, Jason Statham's dad now with that name. Oh, are you saying it in the future? <laughs> I am. Um, okay. So it is set 30 years in the future. Patrick Stewart is playing Jason Statham. He'll be playing Jason Statham because it's 30 years in the future. Basically, we're, we're following, uh, let's, let's say, Vin Diesel's kid. Uh, I I want to I want to kind of address the the Paul Walker thing a little bit. So we're we're gonna the oh, so you can recast Brian O'Connor. That's a that's a point. No, I I think basically the this this kid's estranged from his dad. Like all all the kids have grown up and like have shunned the uh, the drag racing car lifestyle. So he he's sort of shunned this lifestyle and he just leaves a nor- he leads a normal life for the most part. I want, for the, the beginning of the film, I just want a whole load of sequences of, like, you know, he's going to the shops to pick up some food and stuff, but it's just, he's just driving normally, but it's shot and directed like a, a Fast <laughs> and the Furious action sequence. Um, by the way, I've, I've put as much thought and effort into writing this out as uh, I think they did with the actual films. I, I want it to be authentic, so it's <laughs> scrawled on a napkin level of uh, writing. So I think he's an architect because I, I not not an architect. He's an archaeologist because uh, I, I want to go down the. Oh, God. I think he's an archaeologist because I want to go down the Indiana Jones route of it with it. Uh, what well, he's excavating like really old cars or yeah, something. why not? Oh, okay. chariots and oh. things. But he has to drive cars to get to the sites and and so there's a MacGuffin 
and we we can dust off one of the old Indiana Jones scripts or or even like National Treasure 3 or something for this because they're heist movies as well so that might work just dust off one of these scripts that hasn't been made yet put some more cars into it and uh so there's a there's a vaguely like magical mythical macguffin that everyone's after and there's loads of action with that i've not really thought it through but basically what i'm building to with this is if you think Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade style. I I want it to culminate with the kid having to go and find his estranged father in the uh, mm. the old folks' home, and it turns out that there's still this like weird car heist MacGuffin shit going on with the uh, the old Vin Diesel and the old Dwayne the Rock Johnson. A new one is villainous that I'm adding in. It's it's kind of like you know you know that Simpsons episode with the uh, the flying hellfish. You, you, oh yeah, you can think some sort of that sort of dynamic. So we've got Vin Diesel, Dwayne the Rock Johnson in like old man makeup. Now they're playing old <laughs> men. <laughs> they're playing like eighty year old uh, versions well, of their characters. Dwayne the Rock Johnson would be so much better at that than Vin Diesel because <laughs> Vin Diesel would be exactly the same, but with some makeup on his face. Where Dwayne the Rock Johnson would be like. It'll be on a stroller, on like one of those like Zimmer frames, and then like he'll smash it over someone's head. Um, but basically, what we're what we're building, what we're building to, is uh, the majority of the film's running time, which is the final action sequence, which is gonna be on old person mobility scooters. So it's gonna be Vin Diesel and Dwayne the Rock Johnson chasing the villain trying to get away with the MacGuffin. Now the villain's gonna be with someone NOS on the back of it. Yeah, yeah. It, but it's all at about fifteen miles an hour tops and there's a lot there's loads of like very low stakes, you know, action happening. You know, like there's there's some people carrying a pane of glass across the road and <laughs> <laughs> and they they just sort of do <laughs> they just carry it across the road and there's no what about if the if the the old Michelle Rodriguez is just sort of like wandering across the street and they see her like 40 yards away like get out of the way <laughs> and she's like trying to get out of the way as quickly as possible <laughs> she can't move <laughs> but yeah they they're chasing the villain who who's another old person in the home so this is a new character. I, I think they could be played by John Lithgow. I think he'd be quite good. <laughs> but it, I mean, it could be anyone. But put him in there. Um, we'll get Patrick Stewart in as as Jason Statham as well. I like that. So it's just the big actions. That I think. I think if you if you're gonna do that, you need to have other actors in as like the old Dwayne the Rock Johnson and the old okay. Diesel. All right, like, let's do this then. Who? Right. <laughs> let me think. Casting. I think Jerry Stiller is the old Vin Diesel. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Is Jerry Stiller still alive? <laughs> I'm not even yes. sure. Barely. <laughs> what about as the, as the old um, <laughs> Dwayne The Rock Johnson? Well, this is... Uh, I'm, I'm struggling here because... Uh... Sylvester Stallone? <laughs> <laughs> With a shaved well, head? Can we get Arnold Schwarzenegger in somewhere? <laughs> if, if we are going down the Expendables route, I know he had his little cameo, didn't he? Who is the old <laughs> version of these big muscle guys? What What's that bodybuilder guy who has he's got a lisp, like a really strong lisp, and he's known for like strongman Mike Tyson? No, <laughs> Jack Lalane. All oh, right, yeah, yeah. I reckon is he. he... Dead? <laughs> oh, he died. He died six years ago. Damn it. Well, he, he was an old muscly man. That's that's the only one I can think of. 
Um, anyway, yeah, the the film just culminates in like a forty five minute plus chase sequence. Um, it's got to be that long because they're only going at about fifteen miles an hour, and uh, so it's going to take them a while to like get from one side of the city to the other. Um, and you know, I, I just I think that'd be good. Um, How long do the batteries last on those things? Oh, I don't know. Well, I, the, the whole it doesn't all have to be on that. I want them to have to do a few jumps and stuff, and then they, you know, at one point. <laughs> At one point, one of them's going to fall over or something, so then they have to get off and hobble away on like a Zimmer frame. <laughs> I'd like if at one point one of the one of them, like, say they're running down some stairs or something, if one of them sort of falls and then says, "I've fallen and I can't get up." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Basically, I just want a Fast and the Furious movie as it would be if they were all really old. <laughs> you know, the kid, the kids there, the younger one, just to kind of you know, point them in the right direction whenever they kind of forget what they were doing or uh, <laughs> some, something like that. I, I want us to have the sequence where, the the obligatory sequence halfway through the film where there's just a load of scantily clad women dancing and, <laughs> and then the the characters kind of, you know, milling around with these, these uh, hot young women, young and what have you, but then they're all old leching at these young women and and anyway that's my my very poorly thought through concept <laughs> i just want to see him as old men but if it's set 13 years in the future wouldn't they have flying cars by then um in fact they'll all be they'll all be driven by like google by that point won't <laughs> that is a that is a point actually yeah there'll they'll be a load of self-driving cars on the road well that could be the plot then they they have to like hack the self-driving cars <laughs> To let That's them... what the young ones for to do the hacking. Yeah, well, no, that can be what that can be why they have to go and get Jason Statham back in. They pull him in. He's not the hacker. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> that's ludicrous. Right, they they have to find ludicrous. They have to track I him down. This ludicrous, eh? Played by um, eh? Morgan Freeman. <laughs> <laughs> That'd work actually. Yeah, he'd probably do it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you could have Samuel L. Jackson as Tyrese Gibson. <laughs> Boom. Oh, that would be perfect. <laughs> we, I mean, this is the thing, Alan. We, we can have your team assembling sequence, but they're all really old and we get to find out what happened to them over the last 30 years. <laughs> but um, like I say, more than anything, I just want to move away from glamorizing the uh, the silly, dangerous driving. <laughs> So, so Calvin, uh, how would you sequel up this this mother? Well, for my uh, eighth uh, <laughs> in, in instalment, um, we're going to change genre again, much like how the fifth film thought, fuck it, we're just going to be an action film from now on. My version of the eighth film is going to say, fuck it, we're no, we're going to do we're going to do supernatural horror. Sorry, I've just I've I've changed my mind about how my one's going to work. Um, I've decided that I want it to be <laughs> I want it to be roughly the same thing but it's going to be like hidden camera like Borat and bad grandpa you know those, <laughs> the jackass dirty grandpa or whatever it's called and it's just going to be Vin Diesel and <laughs> the rock in old man makeup driving their <laughs> driving their mobility scooters like like idiots around like LA or whatever, <laughs> just like causing work, havoc for 
for people <laughs> like trying to start drag races with other old people and just stuff like that <laughs> send them out to improv see what they come back with and edit see it that's the thing right Dwayne The Rock Johnson would do that and he'd get some good material Vin Diesel probably wouldn't do it and couldn't wouldn't be good at it if he tried <laughs> so <laughs> well maybe he would if he knew he was going to be upstaged by Dwayne The Rock Johnson by not doing it so, He's uh, been upstaged by Dwayne The Rock Johnson in at least four films I've seen. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry, Calvin. Uh... <laughs> That's quite remarkable to say he's only in three. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, so uh, Calvin, start again. <laughs> so my pitch is going to shift genre again, and we're going to do supernatural horror. Brilliant. Given that J- James Wan yeah, get James was the director Wan of the last. Yep, yep, you know, we'll keep him on. Ghost car? <laughs> don't don't get too ahead of me. Um, we're we're, we're going to open the film in a scrapyard where we find where we find Hector. You might not remember Hector, but do you remember in the seventh film when at the beginning Michelle Rodriguez is in that drag race and then she punches a guy in the crowd and then runs away? Mm. Yeah. Okay. Well, but Hector's Hector's from the first film, right? He's the like he's yes. the Latino. I'm the Latino guy. Yes, and he comes back for a cameo in the seventh film. So uh, we're bringing him back. And his day job is crushing cars into cubes. He's one of those people who does that in the junkyard that you see in films. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So he's working overtime, and it's a late shift at the yard. And he just wants to get back to drag racing. A lot of cars need crushing today. (laughs) Punch out a little late. He's he's crushing all the cars when his car crushing machine thing suddenly fails just as it's about to crush one of the cars that Vin Diesel was seen using in one of the previous films. Because something that did occur to me throughout this whole film series is that I honestly thought that everyone was going to have like one special car that is their car, their trademark vehicle. It doesn't really work that way, does it? It's kind like the, of the cars, do. The cars are very expendable. Oh yeah, but there isn't like one car. There's not his like you know he doesn't have oh old Betty's been with me for years. Oh old Betty, <laughs> I, mu- I must admit like we haven't talked about the cars at all, have we? Um, and that's because <laughs> I don't know anything about cars and I've no interest in them whatsoever. So <laughs> I haven't brought it up. <laughs> I, I did pick up on that though. You're right, Calvin. It's it's you know what it's like. I, I'm playing uh, Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild at the moment, and they've introduced oh, yeah, this. Like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they, <laughs> they've introduced this weird mechanic where the weapons break, and they break really quickly. And oh. um, so, in previous games, you would obtain a weapon or a sword or something, and it would be you'd you know be like, yeah, it's my my thing. I've worked hard to get it. In this game, you're constantly picking up new swords and clubs and knives and things, mm. and just then they break 10 seconds later so they're just completely disposable and it, it's huh. very different but it, that's kind of how they treat the cars in these films yeah, it's right? it's weird because you, you would expect from the outset you would expect them to treat the cars like you know calling them lady and you know hey keep keep your hands <laughs> off Lula. lady she's just being clean <laughs> and stuff like that and and Scenes where they get really sad because one of the cars has been, you know, is now a write-off and they can't salvage it. And yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, That's what I was expecting. Mm. And there's, there's not really much of that. Um, I've just looked up the actor who plays uh, Hector, by the way. Guys, uh, guess how many different credits he has f- for characters with the name Hector. 
<laughs> I'm going to say five. I'm going to say 13. <laughs> uh, including Fast and the Furious, Calvin is slightly closer. He He's played seven different Hectors. Oh, wow. So is Hector like mm. a Latin gangster name? I guess it must be. Yeah. You should know, so You're the Mexican <laughs> uh, expert. So, Hector is uh, crushing cars, and then he sees the one that Vin Diesel was driving one of the previous films, but it's the crusher suddenly stops working. Why, this is strange, says Hector as he gets down to investigate. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, this is strange, yes, eh? <laughs> he, he walks over Do the to accent. the car, it's all... <laughs> He walks over to the car. It's all right, we've got soul here. It protects us. <laughs> he's, he's walking over to the car. It's all very silent and, you know, building up tension. He gets to the car. He runs his hand across its hood, which bursts open. <laughs> but it's all right because it's just a little raccoon. Nothing to worry about. <laughs> Oh no, but the, oh no, now the car's rearing up behind Hector. He hears the creaking and he turns and he screams and we smash cut and now he is tied down on the car crushing machine with the car behind the controls <laughs> who is um, slowly crushing Hector to death. Now we have the now we have the opening credits and the title appears The Fast and the Spookiest. <laughs> <laughs> so so Obviously, <laughs> word gets out about Hector's death, which brings back Vin Diesel, Paul Walker, Jordana Brewster, Michelle Rodriguez, The Rock, Tyrese Gibson, and Ludacris to attend the funeral. I also want to bring back Suki, who is a character from Fast and the Furious 2, just because I, I like her. Uh, she had that nice pink car. She was a very popular uh, character. Now, yeah. Uh, now, this is when a new government official character shows up, and I'd like him to be played by Christopher Lloyd. <laughs> now, he, he says that he's been investigating supernatural occurrences in the area and has found a large deposit of ghost plasma or something in the car yard, and he wants Vin and the gang to investigate because they know a lot about cars and stuff. There's umming and ahhing, but when Paul Walker disappears, the team, up to this point, we've just got Paul Walker's brother back and put his face on the body. That's how we've done this. But, um... The... The suit... Uh, the, the, uh... When he disappears... Well, wait, can you, can you write it in that he's like, he's had a, an accident and so he wears bandages on his face. <laughs> and then when they take them off, he just looks slightly different. <laughs> go, yes, he had to have corrective plastic surgery. Now he looks... Now, now he looks like Sam Worthington. <laughs> 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 the, so the, the Vin, Vin and his team suit up with ghost hunting equipment and stuff and venture into the scrapyard, which, for the purpose of this story, is about ten square miles and uh, surrounded by a big walls so that the characters can't escape easily, and it's a big maze. Um, mm -hmm. Now, we have lots of spooky happenings and that going on as the gang investigate, and we have some banter. We can have Tyrese cracking wise and The Rock giving him, like, withering looks and stuff. And Wait a minute, is... Uh, is... Are Tyrese Gibson and Ludacris scared of the ghosts? Oh yes, yes, <laughs> they can be. Yeah, that's brilliant. And can they like, ghosts? Can they? Can they? Can one of them have like a big Great Dane that he's now just goes everywhere with? Oh. And when they run now, away, their legs just spin on the spot for about five seconds. <laughs> but he's like, he's always really hungry, and he's he's just sort of like they're always like, oh, where's? Where's uh, where's Tyrese gone? And then they they turn around and he's like in the fridge making a, a sandwich that's like <laughs> two feet tall, just stacking <laughs> slices of cheese and olives. And... 
Oh. I'm amazed they've never had anyone like cook a steak on their um, <laughs> engine. Like I've I've seen YouTube videos of that. So now, um, in the, in the story, Jordana Brewster is separated from the group. Um, she's obviously the most emotionally invested in trying to find where Brian is, but uh, but then she starts being chased by driverless cars, and it's all very scary and tense. And she's cornered, no way out. When suddenly another car bursts over a wall and fends off the other two cars. <laughs> Jordana Brewster is of course upset by the accident and freaks out, but the car begins to comfort her, and she looks deep into its headlights. Brian, is that you? <laughs> so to fa- to to facilitate Paul Walker's death, we want we want to keep the character going. So we're going to have his spirit possess a car. <laughs> so, no. can we, once once they've established that this has happened, can you have um, like a theme tune play and it just transitions into a sitcom? <laughs> my 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 brother, the car. And you can have Paul Walker's brother. I don't know. I, li- I like talking cars as a. Oh no, he's not talking. Oh, he's not talking. Oh. So we, we we don't actually need to replicate. We, we're just keeping his spirit alive. We're not actually getting a performance. But but anyway, but does it so does it jo- kind of communicate? So so it'll kind of go. Oh yes. It'll like honk its horn and and they'll kind of emote with the uh, the eye the the lights the coming on and off. And, yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, he's angry. So, yeah. so Jordana. And then there's brings... can they have a scene where um, Jordana Brewster like she takes off her top or something, and it goes. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Can we have a scene where they're driving and the car like backfires, and then and then one of, they look at each other and one of them, like Tyrese or someone goes, "It wasn't me." <laughs> Definitely. So Jordana reports back to the rest of the group and uh, everyone is stunned and Christopher Lloyd does some experiments and sure enough, cars around the scrapyard are coming to life. One One of them killed Brian who transferred his soul into one. Um, but why and how all these cars are becoming sentient? Uh, wh- wh- but why? Why, Vin asks. Why is this happening? And Christopher Lloyd can't really explain it. And that's when the ghost car leader who killed Hector at the beginning appears. <laughs> and there's another chase with the gang all hopping in the Paul Walker car. And Vin recognises the car. Hey, I drove that vehicle in 2001, he cries. Michelle Rodriguez <laughs> notices a different car which joins the chase and says, oh, I drove that one in 2009. Sure enough, the gang all realise that it's the ghosts of their former cars which have come back for revenge after years of being carelessly thrown away one after the other with never any great deal of investment shown at all. They're gambled away, they're blown into cinders and streets, etc. So, after the chase, we have the gang separate and we have some slow tense scenes in which a couple of characters are killed off. Suki is one of them and I'm thinking the other one is ludicrous so that Tyrese can get really upset about it and hold his, you know, dying friend in his arms and I'm sure it'd be uh, you know, he could ad-lib and make it funny, I'm sure. Can we bring back every character that's died in the franchise as a car? So the the guy from Tokyo Drift and, and, and yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Can we have yeah. a bit where Vin Diesel is inside the Paul Walker car? And like, <laughs> just gently strokes the dashboard and goes, I knew I'd be in you one day. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. 
to finish off mine, um, the whole thing comes to a head in an abandoned theme park, which is conveniently right next to the junkyard. Christopher Lloyd can come up with the device to defeat the ghost cars, which Vin, Vin and the regrouped gang attach to Dodgem cars. <laughs> and then uh, they come out in those and battle the cars and um, sedate all of them, all except the Paul Walker car who drives off into the morning sunrise with his wife in his passenger seat. So now um, Vin, Michelle and Tyrese are drinking a beer or whatever and uh, having a barbecue as the credits roll. And then we have a post credit scene where we pick up with Jason Statham in his jail cell. And um, he starts hearing some banging and screaming, and suddenly the first car he ever drove is in the room, and it's trying to kill him in, in his cell. It's a mini or a bug or something, something like that. And he battles the car, and he 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 has to choke it to death with his bare hands. <laughs> and uh, I, I've decided that the the last line of the last line of the film is gonna be. Uh, Fuck, fucking little car shit. Your MOT <laughs> is not up for renewal. <laughs> and, and that's it. That's the end of the film. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can all agree that Jason Statham killing a car with his bare hands would be yeah. something pretty special. Anyway, I, I, I genuinely started out wanting to make a horror Fast and the Furious film, but it all became a bit Scooby-Doo, didn't it? Really <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, there's. it's not like there's not precedent for this sort of thing, you know. Stephen King wrote Christine. All right, Alan, take us home. <laughs> when when you're back seat, we're putting our feet up on the... Get your feet down. <laughs> Turn this car around. <laughs> oh, can I, can I have one of these mints, Alan? <laughs> <laughs> That's not a mint. Don't take that. Oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> So my pitch is, um, I I like to find truth in art, and um, certainly didn't find it. Alan, what's that noise? It sounds it sounds like someone's trying to get out of the boot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, my pitch is, um, I want to try and bring some reality back to the franchise. I've got to, I'm going to set it in what I know um, of the the car world, the car community. Uh, now, my experience with people who like cars are those. Um, 18-year-old boys who hang around McDonald's car park with, uh, <laughs> with like a souped-up Vauxhall Corsa. Um, and that's all like, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to combine that with uh, one of my favourite things um, is uh, watching YouTube videos of young, almost always white teenage boys uh, performing stunts uh, <laughs> or, or otherwise sort of putting themselves in danger in a kind of jackass style really shouldn't have tried this at home kind of way. Um, Brilliant. <laughs> which is absolutely um, fantastic. So <laughs> these two things come together quite nicely. So my film is kind of a meta idea about two teenage boys, uh, British sort of London boys, they love Fast and the Furious uh, so much they decide to make their own fan film. We'll we'll call them Jason and Darren, uh, and they've both got these stupid cars. Uh, they like driving fast. Um, I don't know what cars they drive, these people, but you know, uh, throw in a few surrounding characters as well. You know, fast talking, wisecracking one, uh, one like an orphan or something and they have to befriend him. I don't know. You know, the, the usual kind of Fast and Furious emotional nonsense. Again, to tie into Fast and Furious, but then to try and make it more realistic, you could have one of them like keeps going on about family, how they're brothers and they're all family and stuff. And then the other one goes, nah, mate, that's gay. That is well gay. Because <laughs> 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 that's more realistic. Uh, 
also, again, because in the interest of reality, there won't be any girls in their little gang <laughs> because <laughs> that just doesn't happen. And I don't think as liberated and, uh, and modern as I like to be, I, I really don't think girls are that into cars, <laughs> especially not like teenage girls, uh, certainly not in the same extent that teenage boys are. Uh, so I think we're just going to have to accept that. But because they, they, they do make an effort in Fast and the Furious to get those female characters in there, Michelle Rodriguez being the obvious example, but then, um, yeah, the pink one in the, in the second film. And the, so they do make that effort, and it's nice. I just think it's completely unrealistic. Well, the, the thing is, when a, the, the stereotype is when a, you know, when a man gets into his cars, then you end up with these tits, like you say, in McDonald's car parks, like revving <laughs> their engine. When a woman does it, stereotypically, you just end up with one of those cars with powered by pixie dust written on the back and eyelashes <laughs> on the on the, <laughs> the, the headlights. God. Uh, okay, yeah. So, but we want to have some females in there, obviously. So we could have the girls who hang around because they hang around the boys with these cool soups of cars because they're so cool. Um, but they they won't walk around. We, I mean, Sol got here ahead of me actually when we were talking about this earlier but they won't be walking around in bikinis it's far too cold for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah so our boys they decide to they, they want to make a film of them doing loads of awesome stunts with their cars patch together some kind of plot around it uh, okay. like pretend they're gangsters or something like doing drug deals and all that we want to get to the good stuff yeah we can play around with their acting have a few laughs about that but we want to get to the stunts we want to get to the action now, we could put an early action scene in. Now, this is a more realistic action scene where Jason, he's one of the boys, he's had his suspension lowered on his car because uh, mm. that's cool, right? Um, and then <laughs> he he drives over a speed bump at four miles an hour and it knocks his back bumper off. <laughs> <laughs> so that's like a first action scene. <laughs> oh, I like this. So, we can, yeah, we can build on that. So he gets some general driving bits, uh, and you, they can do that thing where they spin around in a circle. They all like doing that. Uh, it ruins your tires. You shouldn't do it, but you know, whatever. Unfortunately, the boy, the, they don't know that much about the way that film works. Uh, they don't realize that the cars that get used in these films are not really like proper cars. They're basically just reinforced steel cages with a car mold over the top of it <laughs> <laughs> so that when so that nobody dies uh, they can't afford to smash up their cars anyway right so they have to be careful because that's the other thing about fast and the furious is like especially in in the third one where they are supposed to be like these teenage kids they've all got these cars that they smash up and then it's just like oh yeah just buy another one that's fine oh, i'll race you for this car that i've spent six months building it's just ridiculous so yeah. these guys have got one car and they have to look after it and they yeah, they put their own neon lights on it, put a huge sound system in the boot. Uh, they can't really smash up their cars too much, so they want to make up for it by adding in lots of gunfights. So they get some replica guns off the internet. <laughs> they start filming a scene in which they drive, you know, around a transit van and, like, rob the van. Now, because <laughs> this is... One of their mates, like, works for his dad's moving company so he can borrow the van, so they, they can do that. Now, unfortunately, shortly after they start filming this scene, they find themselves surrounded by a, an armed response unit uh, yeah. because someone locally has seen these kids running around with guns and phoned the police. Now, Dominic Toretto, he'd probably respond to that in one... That's Vin Diesel's character, by the way. <laughs> he'd probably respond to that in, in, a, in a sort of, like, he'd kick someone's ass and then drive off and escape. Now, mm -hmm. our boys, they don't quite react. What they do is um, quietly sit down and do exactly what they're told 
by the men with big guns because <laughs> <laughs> you know they could kill them because if that was if it was america they would have just been shot immediately and then <laughs> ask questions later but you know it's this is britain so we're all right so after they they get arrested they get taken to the police station and basically you know it, it, it pans out you know it becomes clear they're just some kids who got uh, carried away uh, so they ultimately let go with this essentially a slap on the wrist but they have to go to a court day they get bound over to keep the peace for like two years so they sort of make sure they don't get into any more trouble but you know they're, they're undeterred in their efforts they they even now they're now even more keen to prove themselves as the badasses that they know they are deep down they're filming a stunt darren he's gonna drive his um subaru impreza whatever it is uh, <laughs> he's gonna speed around this quiet suburban neighborhood he's got a drift around the corner it's gonna be really cool but unfortunately his first attempt to drift uh he misjudges it completely <laughs> smashes directly into a lamppost <laughs> oh dear now he's taken to hospital in an ambulance uh he's rushed into emergency surgery and taken to intensive care but unfortunately after five days he succumbs to his injuries and dies <laughs> let that sink in yeah i'm trying to teach the children a lesson with this film all right do you have vin diesel cameo at any point like he comes to the hospital and like lays a single rose by the boy's bedside yeah 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 they 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 do an appeal because vin diesel's his favorite actor and he has to come and like do that thing where they're making a they stand by someone in a coma (laughs) he's dead now if this was America his parents would not only have lost their son but they'd also be saddled with a $200,000 medical bill Uh, (laughs) but luckily this is Britain so it's all free thanks to the wonder of uh, socialism that is the NHS that the government is currently in the process of dismantling it's a bit of a bit of a sidestep not relevant to the plot at all I just (laughs) drop it in there (laughs) so don't worry about that his parents don't have to pay for his medical bills but they do have to find 12 grand for his funeral. So that's what funerals cost. It's ridiculous. <laughs> so to help raise the money, Jason decides, you know, he will finish the film and he can dedicate it to the memory of Darren. And then he'll sell it to YouTube and make loads of money. That's how you release films these days. He knows he needs some realistic action to really make this thing sell. Uh, so he comes up with a fantastic idea. He wants to film a car chase. So he'll actually start a car chase. He's going to get the cops to chase him. So he, he, he drives around, gets a mate of his in the back with a camera. Uh, and then he waits until he finds a police car nearby. So then he, he sort of goes up near them, throws a plum at their car, and then shouts, <laughs> fucking pigs, and drives off. <laughs> Obviously, he's trying to incite a police chase. So he speeds off. The police go after him. They're pursuing him. They speed down a couple of streets. But then, you know, the police, they slow down and they just let him go. Because... Car chases are extremely dangerous, and the police don't want to escalate them because it ends in crashes, it ends in innocent people getting run over, uh, and so basically mm. they just don't do it. He's a bit disappointed, Jason. He didn't get the footage he wanted, but goes home, and about an hour later, you know, the police turn up at his door. <laughs> of course, they just took his number plate, checked it against the insurance registry, uh, so <laughs> <clears throat> they went straight to it. Unfortunately, it was actually registered under his dad's name. Because being an 18-year-old boy, his insurance was putting in like £4,000 a year. So they said it was his dad's car and that he was an occasional second-name driver to try and keep costs down. Gets into a bit of trouble. A lot of legal wrangling. And because of his previous trouble, basically he gets given 150 hours of community service. 
he gets disqualified for dri- from driving for a year uh, and he's in Dutch with his dad. You know, he's in a lot of trouble. Gets grounded. Now, he can't drive anymore. Uh, now, this also means he loses his part-time job delivering pizzas for the local takeaway. <laughs> dad insists he has to get a job, make something of his life, gets a job at the local warehouse, starts working in dispatch and then eventually trains up and gets his forklift license. Uh, within a couple of years, he's working full-time as a forklift driver, earning £12 an hour. He's quite happy with that. He does this for 35 years until he gets stomach cancer, uh, unable to afford proper health care in a now privatised health system. He quickly dies, leaving behind two children that he hadn't seen for six years. Oh, was that the end? <laughs> yes, the end. His role? Oh, yes. Right. Oh. You know, I wanted to bring some brutal reality into the world of Fast and Furious because that's what it needs. We need to teach the young people that it's not cool to drive dangerously. But it is. <laughs> oh, yeah, it is. Oh, yeah, yeah, cool. <laughs> oh, God. I can't even drive. I mean, here's a question. When, you, when you're, like, walking down the street and then a car just goes, like, and, like, flies down the road, oh. do you think, yes. wow, what a cool guy. Wanker. <laughs> or do you think no. what a fucking cock what a cock yeah <laughs> yes yes yeah. it's like the kinds of people who would get on public transport and not put headphones in to listen to music and just oh, have a on oh their yeah. IPhone. yeah i would yeah, yeah. i would quite happily have those people killed on the spot yeah. and feel no <laughs> guilt whatsoever yeah um no, I think the only time that if I, if I'm ever impressed with a car, it's just when you just notice that it's a lovely car. It just glides past. You think, oh yeah, nice. If that car was to then stop at some traffic lights and then do a, vroom, vroom, I would hate. I think it. the only time I've ever been impressed with a car is if it's like a DeLorean or a Batmobile <laughs> or something, <laughs> and it's on display in the <laughs> Warner Brothers lot. You two both drive regularly, right? What? No. You do drive, don't you? I haven't driven in about four years. All right, Sol, it's down to you then. You're the driving correspondent. Um, is it cool to drive fast and all that? It's unnecessary. When have you ever got to be anywhere that that quickly? I don't think boy racers are doing it to get somewhere. <laughs> just, just. There's the thrill. Who's? Did someone say that? What? What? Oh, did, did someone say the thrill of it in a really like sorry like way? I thought you did. You oh. I thought I did, and then I thought I heard someone else say something, but maybe I'm just imagining something. That was the ghost of Paul Walker. <laughs> Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. Do come back next week because we're doing Calvin's favourite film of all time. As always, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, review, rate, subscribe, all that stuff. If you're enjoying the show, let people know about it. And thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. What's that behind you? It's Paul Walker! (laughs) He's got a steering wheel. (laughs) Then he he sort of goes up near them, throws a plum at their car, and then shouts, (laughs) fucking pigs, and drives off. Is that inspired by... Um... That was a private joke, which is just for Sol. <laughs> oh, right. I was like, oh, okay. It's funny, but I didn't quite... Oh, God. Is it, is, is it the plum bit? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um... There's a reason I chose a plum. <laughs> I, was, I was hoping it wouldn't get lost on you, because I didn't want to have to explain it. <laughs>
I, I just assumed I'd missed something. Back when we, we were living together in London, there was... They were doing some roadworks on their road, and because it was such a busy sort of interchange, they were doing it in the middle of the night. Yeah. There was right. no traffic. So there's always so just a team of, like, two guys, and then... They had this bit coned off, and then they got. They were waiting for someone else to come back and sort something out. So they just sat in their van. It was like a transit van. Or so we were like on the third floor, like so we can kind. Of, we're like above them now. <laughs> for whatever reason, me and Saul are up at like two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> we decided we had some plums. It's not. It's not. <laughs> Plums. <laughs> yeah, they were Sean's plums, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Neither of us would buy plums. <laughs> I, don't, but we, I think we were trying to show... We were trying to teach Sean a lesson about buying plums. Pl- like, <laughs> we were trying to t- tell him off for buying plums or something. <laughs> trying to teach our housemate a lesson for buying plums. So anyway, I got, I got one of the plums. And I went, leaned out of the window. I threw the plum out of the window. And it landed smack on top of the van with like a resounding thud. (laughs) It was really loud. And then, and then we, and then we sat like at the window, tittering like (laughs) schoolgirls, like watching as these two guys, (laughs) these two guys, like thought they were being like, I don't know. I should add, which recently in the middle of the night. Fairly recently just seen, you know, riots and stuff, so (laughs) (laughs) So, And then I think they just sort of like immediately sort of drove off down the road and then came back because they had to pick up the cones that they left out. And they sort of like they had to sort of run out and grab these cones and throw them in the back of the van. They drove down the road and then we like ran to the other side of the flat and we could see that the, one, the other side and one of them like came out looking really worried and he sort of looked looked at the side of the van and looked all around like really worried like re- as quickly as he could looking all around like worried that they'd been shot at or something or that like a brick had been thrown at them or something. But it made, it made such a loud noise from where we were like in the van it must have like sounded like someone just like you know, like when, um, like a man with a claw for a hand lands on the roof of the car, <laughs> like that. So, so you know, did, did it did it leave a dent? No, or... no, 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 it was a plum. It, was a plum. <laughs> it just splattered on it. Oh, is it worth pointing out? I was in my late twenties at the time. <laughs> just... Well, yeah, I was in my early twenties. <laughs> I don't even know why. What were we doing? We were just watching them. Like, I think so. Fix the road. We, just we thought, were watching oh, them. Chuck a plumber. We had been for ages. We were keeping an eye on them. And then we were. Keeping an eye on them. We were annoyed that Sean had bought plums. So he had to, like, do something with his, with his plums. This is, like, we also had a different time. Sol, <laughs> Sol, Sol bought a watermelon. Right. Cut a big slice out of it. Ate it, realised he didn't like watermelon. <laughs> I've done so that. Then he had this, I like, do that so often. I always forget that I don't like it. It's just like it was summer. He sees this juicy watermelon, he gets excited. Yeah. And then he just realises he doesn't like it. Pretty much every year I but do then, that. So we had this, this watermelon, giant watermelon, <laughs> with like one slice cut out of it. 
And then we kind of <laughs> gouged a couple of holes in it so it looked like a face, like eye holes in the smile. And then we, I mean, we, we it potted around for a while. We left it in Sean's bed for, for him to find. Uh, and then, and then the sort of the, the ultimate of it, I don't know why, we kind of strung it up with something and hung it out of the window. <laughs> Until we just left it there. Until we realised we were we just sort of lynched a watermelon <laughs> in Brixton. <laughs> we had to get rid of it. We were we were hanging it out of the window so that it could like peer in. And I remember. It, I think it was Sean having a date or something in the living room, and I, I want to say it was like Sean had brought a girl back or something, and they were watching a film, and and so we we were hoisting it out of the out of his room. Like the balcony, he dangle had, it, like dangling it down, so they were like looking, tap on the window, through the window. <laughs> so they, so they'd be like, you know, Sean would go, oh, hear a tap, go, what's that, and look out the window, and there'd be just a big, a big grinning watermelon looking in with like eyes, <laughs> and then we just left oh. it there as a decoration for a bit, based anecdotes. <laughs> Anyway, Good. <coughs> let me get back to this, otherwise we'll never finish. <laughs> so, <laughs> he throws a plum at the car, shouts fucking pigs and drives off. <laughs> <laughs>